You're listening to the Arisha Wisdom Podcast, episode 31. Welcome to the Arisha Wisdom Podcast, where positivity and spirituality create an enhanced life's journey with the wisdom of Ifa and Arisha. I am your host, Iya Omileti Olubumi. Welcome to the Arisha Wisdom Podcast. I am Iya Omileti. Thank you for spending some of your time with me to talk about all things Orisha, spirituality, personal growth, life growth, spiritual growth, anything that has to do with growing our lives and making them better. So turn up the volume in your car or put on your earbuds, grab a cup of tea or a cup of coffee, and let's chat. Today's episode is being brought to you by our very own Orisha Wisdom's top five things to know before choosing a godparent. It is our newest resource available to help you choose a godparent in our traditions. How do you get your hands on this? Simple. Just go to www.orishawisdom.com forward slash godparent choice. Today's episode is quite a treat. And I am really, really excited about it and have been for a bit. Why? Because today we have a guest. Yes, and this person I have been following for a while as well. I love her work within our Yoruba community. And I really love her message and how poised she is. This is a person that I can hear talk for hours and hours just because how soothing she is. And I know that I have alluded to what this episode is about for a while, but I didn't want to send out any more hints because I kind of wanted to keep it as a surprise. So who is this person? She is Iya Ife Michelle. Ding, ding, ding. I know you probably have heard of her. She is a priestess in our traditions, but I also have to add a couple of other things. She is a certified holistic life coach. She is a healer. She is a medium and she is a dancer. She teaches others the beautiful, beautiful art of Afro-Cuban dances, including, of course, dances to the Orishas. And this is major because this is a huge part of what many of us want to do. And what is that? We want to connect with the Orishas. Oh my goodness, there is so much more, but I am not going to make you wait any longer. With that, I hope that you're ready for this podcast. It's going to be a little bit longer than usual, but it's going to share so many things on how to further connect with Orisha, and we're going to get into other topics as well. With that, here we go. Welcome, Ife Michelle, to the Orisha Wisdom Podcast. I can't explain to you how excited I am to have you here with us and our mm-hmm. listeners. I am yeah, very, very amazed. I was a little scared, a little nervous. <laughs> 
you could giggle all you want, but it is true. I was like, oh my God, I'm about to go interview her. How amazing is that? I wanted to really, really thank you for your time today to chat with us. Mm -hmm. And I am really, really, really looking forward to it. Wonderful. Thank you. And I am looking forward to it as well. Thank you so much for inviting me. And thank you for allowing me to be a part of this discussion. So thank you. Yay! Well, (laughs) from the beginning, tell us a bit about you and your spiritual journey. Yes. So my name is uh, Ife, Ife Michelle, and I was born and raised in the U.S. Virgin Islands in St. Croix, currently residing in the Virginia Beach area. And so my Orisha name is uh, Ia Otaniwe. I am a, a Santera and have been on this journey now for about 22 years. Wow. Initiated as a priest for the last 11 years. Wow. So it's been quite a journey. It's, it's been quite a journey. I did not become fully aware of my spiritual calling until probably around my 20s. So for me, it was, that was really the foundation that was established. Uh, but the last 20 plus years have, have really set the stage for, for where I am spiritually today. So it's been a wonderful, wonderful journey. Amazing. I, Absolutely glad. amazing. What Orishas are you crowned? Do you mind sharing? And in what lineage? What tradition? No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. I am crowned to Elegua. Hey! I was crowned. <laughs> I'm crowned to Elegua. My mother in um, Ocha is Oshun. And I was crowned in Havana in, in Cuba. So very um, Lukumi, huh? Very Lukumi. Yeah, very, very Lukumi. Yeah, so, but, you know, that was, like I mentioned, that was 11 years ago, almost 11. It'll be 11 uh, this year that I was crowned. But, you know, since then, I've sort of embraced all the different traditions that are all part of the larger tradition of Ifa and Yoruba practice. So, yes, and the different African traditional religions, but Mm -hmm. very Lukumi. Yeah. Got it. Love it. (laughs) So what do you do in your spiritual arena? Do you mind sharing with us, giving us a picture? I know it's a lot, but just a synapse of what you do in your spiritual arena. Yes, yes, yes. So as I mentioned, I'm a priest and I'm also a certified holistic life coach. Awesome. Oh yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> yes. And as I mentioned, I'm uh, also an Orisha dance teacher and I'm a mental health therapist by profession. Awesome. So spiritually, my life includes all of those facets, right? All of the above that are me, the dance and the healing work influence, you know, the work that I do within the spiritual arena. So I'm able to make those connections, which I really, really find valuable. Mm-hmm. So for some, my spiritual practice may appear and, and feel a little bit different because I, I, I practice and see individuals and clients and situations through the lens of mental health, mm-hmm. but also through the lens of, of spiritual health. And an ancestral connection and, you know, the inter- intergenerational experiences and the trauma and then ultimately the healing. So I think that is so, so within, important, so important yeah, so, because a lot exactly. of us, we come in with all of our ailments and mm-hmm. it's not that doctors are, there's nothing wrong with regular doctors and regular practitioners, but they don't have mm-hmm. that spiritual aspect 
that we need for us to exactly. move forward. Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And so that is why I feel really honored to be able to to just sort of bridge the connections mm-hmm. and, and bridge the gaps between all of those because I think the holistic approach for healing, which includes spirituality, which includes, you know, the dance and everything else, is so important, as you mentioned, and really being able to to assist folks with their healing. And also, you know, for us to be able to help heal ourselves as well. So very important. Okay. I have a question for you. Yes. What drove you? You know, a lot of people, they they ask, you know, what, how is your purpose? Blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. But seriously, mm-hmm. what drove you to do what you do in the world? Like, mm-hmm. what is your mission? Mm-hmm. What got you there? Yeah. Did you just wake up one yeah. morning and said, huh, <laughs> I'm going to do this? Yeah. Uh, I wish. I wish it was that easy, right? I, I know, right? <laughs> For, for some people, it is. Some people have that just aha moment, like, you know, one day they wake up and it's, it's just clear. <laughs> but yeah, so for me, it was just, it was sort of progressive. And as I mentioned, it's been a very beautiful journey. And my mission really, to answer your question in a nutshell, my mission is really about healing, healing. And so from, from an early age, uh, I have to say probably around the age of 16, around 16, 15 or 16, I started to really understand my calling mm-hmm. in terms of, 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 of assisting folks with, with just healing. And, and I've been motivated by my desire to assist those who are in need, particularly the mentally ill. And I don't necessarily always like that term mentally ill, but those who may have some challenges mentally or opportunity or gifts because a lot of the mentally ill are gifted. And so currently, it's that same concept. That's what drives me, inspires me. Uh, However, I'm able to accomplish a lot more with the spiritual tools that I've acquired, right? And uh, the holistic healing tools as well, which include the the dance and also, you know, our practice. Mm -hmm. And so... So again, you know, in a nutshell, it's healing, but it's it's really to support and witness others, you know, as they evolve. Like that's what really excites me. It's just I to bet witness that that others. Feels good evolve. Putting your word and your help in there, and they yes, start blossoming. Yes, yes, just seeing them grow, seeing them evolve, seeing them heal, seeing them like manifest their destinies and like live in their truth and you oh, know yeah. live in their purpose and discover themselves and and also discover their connection to spirit and to them. Like that's what really, really excites okay. me, you know, and motivates me. So yeah. That is awesome. I, mm-hmm. I I think that has to be more like a mother hen when you see your chicks finally like growing up. <laughs> like, there they go. Yes. They're so cute. <laughs> yes. 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 And, and, you know, when you see the potential in others, like, mm-hmm. you know, a lot of times I see so much in, in others. Like I wish they saw what I, what I see. Thank you. Um, and just encouraging them. Yeah, encouraging them to sort of live in, in all of that that they carry. You know, when you said that, they're... that gave me all kinds of emotions. Yeah. Because growing yeah. up, for me personally, and as I'm telling it to you, it's like tears are welling up because um, everybody would say, oh, you are, you can do this. And I didn't even see that in myself. It was just uh-huh. like, what do you see? I'm just taking up space. And I think that a lot of people are there, which is why it's so great to bring the healing aspect, but with the spirituality. And I, I can just imagine what it must feel like 
for you when they finally get it, that they're not yeah. taking the world and that they do have something to give. It must feel absolutely. amazing. Absolutely. It's the best feeling. I it's, bet. it's absolutely the best feeling. Yes, yes. To kind of see those moments where like the, the light bulb goes off or there's like a, there's a shift in energy. Yeah. Yeah, you know, because you, if you pay attention, you can witness those moments. And yes. if you're able to witness them, they're beautiful. And, you know, as practitioners and those of us who are priests, who are in the position of helping others, paying attention to those moments where there's that shift of energy is, is crucial. And that comes from them. I mean, there's, we can hold space and we can support, but really and truly the work yes. has to be done on, on their end. Yes, I yes. Know. So it's just about holding space mm-hmm. and providing providing the support and the tools. So, Yeah, because I think a lot of people, they come in and they forget the great thing that they are. Because if you actually made it here to earth, to this arena, you've come to do something, baby. And you you don't see that. Ashley, yes. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I have something for you. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Many, many people come to the Orisha traditions. Now, Folks, you do not know this about her. You may not know, you may, you may, you may know this about her. But she had for a long time this group on Facebook. Yeah, I was going to sneak that in here somewhere. (laughs) And I have to tell you guys, this is even before the Orisha Wisdom community came on. She had a group. Do you know that her Orisha, you know, driven group was my favorite? That is the one group that I would go on every single day. When she decided to close that group, I was crushed. And I don't know if she remembers, but I basically told her some words. You did. You did. You reached out to me. You were like, okay, what's going on? (laughs) Where is the group? What have you done? What is going on? I need my group. I need my medicine on a daily basis. This is not working out for me. Yeah. They're not happy. So if, so this that I'm about to ask her, I'm pretty sure that she's going to be able to relate to because she also held a community. So a lot of people, they come into the Orisha traditions. They're very, very excited. They want to do things yesterday. They want their altars. They want to get initiated, man. They want to make Ocha yesterday and because they're Mm -hmm. ready and they don't get it and they're not connecting and they have all these shrines and they went to the botanica and they got all their little stuff and they are not able to connect and I couldn't Mm -hmm. think of the perfect person to ask this question to but how does dance play a role in a person's connection with our Orisha traditions? Yes absolutely and that is such an important question and one that I, I, I would love to answer. And thank you so much for, for the, the feedback on the group. And I have to say that your group, the one that you created now, Orisha Wisdom, is, is amazing. So thank you. Oh, you thank also you. inspire. Yes, you are such an inspiration for so many, so many individuals who are on this journey. So but yes, definitely thank you for that. But yeah, dance dance, you know, dance plays a huge role. You know, what folks would understand uh, about dance in general, but particularly about Orisha dance, because that's what we're really speaking about here. You know, it's it's a physical, it's the physical expression of Orisha. Mm-hmm. You know, what does that um, mean? Because people are thinking so, Oshun, honey, sex, Shango, yeah, yeah. power, king. Like, how does that? What? What? Yeah. So you know, so the dance Orisha dance is is the way that it, 
it resonates for me, and this is what I what I share with my with my students, right? Is that Orisha dance is really their voice. You know, it's their voice. It's it, it's their prayer without the verbal language. Oh, so that's when we dance so for Orisha, mm-hmm. we're expressing their 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 emotions. We're 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 sharing their story. You know, we're giving them a voice. You know, we're we're essentially praying. We're praying. I never um, thought of it like that. I just learned yeah. something new. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, Orisha dance allows it allows individuals to to really really connect with Orisha without all of the like the, the man-made boundaries, you know, the, um, it's like, a, it's an intimate personal experience because even within the classroom setting, I can have five different people, let's say five different women dancing for a stream, and each of them will, will, will express her energy differently. Mm. Despite what I may have taught, Okay, because I can say, okay, your left hand goes here, your right hand goes here. Mm-hmm. Okay, put your foot here. Okay, do this. But ultimately, in the end, it's going to be their intimate personal experience. Mm-hmm. And that's the beautiful thing about Orisha dance is that you then are able to connect directly with Orisha through the dance, through, with their energy through the dance and really begin to make that divine connection, which, which then lends to understanding and a broader sense of understanding. It's not an understanding you can read in a book. Mm-hmm. It's not an understanding that anyone can teach you. I mean, anyone can say, okay, Oshun represents this, as you mentioned, mm-hmm. Shango represents this, mm-hmm. and that's wonderful. Mm-hmm. But until we, until we create spaces where we can intimately connect with them, th- then we do ourselves a disservice. And that's what Arisha Dance does. It gives us those opportunities. So to answer your question too, I mean, to your point, many that come in, they move quickly. Like They're like, okay, I'm here. All right, when can I become a priest? <laughs> I've arrived. I know? need a godparent. Somebody get me yeah, my <laughs> Exactly. So, but you know, what, what, what folks realize, don't realize is that they, they lose out on the opportunity to, to truly experience all of the expressive layers of Orisha, which include not only the dance, but the music. Mm-hmm. And, and so, you know, once they, once they, do the dances, you know, mm-hmm. then they have a better understanding. As I mentioned, it expands and it evolves. So not you to mention the healing the that comes from the dance too. Oh, yeah. I'm so sorry. Go ahead. No, no, no. I said not to mention the healing. Yeah. So gotcha. mm-hmm. you mentioned the prayer part. So you're Lukumi. Our yeah. house practices both Lukumi and Isheshe, and I was made in both traditions. Mm-hmm. So here is the thing. You know as a Lukumi priestess, especially if you have old school godparents, that they'll tell you, they can't pray, you can't do this, you can't do that until, you know, like there's certain levels of when you start to do things. But you mentioned yeah. that if you dance, you're basically having a prayer to Arisha. That kind of yeah. bypasses some of the stuff that we're taught. <laughs> That's interesting yeah. to me. Yeah. I love it. Yes. Yes, yes. So, and, and before, and, yes, and I wanted to also quickly mention, I did say that I was Lukumi and I am Lukumi, but I am also in, initiated in a traditional community. So I am also Okay, so you're, you're like I am. Okay. Yeah, you know yeah, the difference so, of yeah. both because you can't do, you can't do both at the same time. So I get it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I just wanted to make sure I mentioned that because that's also a very, very important part of my 
you know, of my makeup. So yes, again, br- bridging gaps and understanding the, the connections and just loving, you know, loving all facets of the practice, right? Mm-hmm. So yes, but yeah, that's interesting. You know, I think it, it really depends on the, the relationship that you that you have with your godparents. And some godparents may support, you know, you or, or someone taking dance classes or... Mm-hmm. Because a lot of times I think folks just kind of think you go and you take them and that's it. They don't they don't understand what really happens, the magic that takes place. Nope. And so the prayer and, and the communication and the connection is really one of those intimate moments that I don't necessarily know if anyone can, can sort of um, control. Yeah. But yeah, that is a good point. I never thought about that. Thank God I never had godparents that prohibited me from taking classes and dancing. <laughs> No, no. Actually, a lot of them will. I'm from New York, as you know. We've spoken about Mm -hmm. this. uh, New York is fantastic because there are so many places that you can get classes. And Mm -hmm. a lot, not only of Orisha dance, but just African dance classes. It's something Mm -hmm. that happens to you that I can't explain. And I thought I was a pretty smart cookie, but I can't explain it. So yeah. I don't know. Do you know Spanish or no? I do. I do. My mother. Okay. My so my husband always laughs and he says that I am trinca. That means that I am mm-hmm. not as limber in the dance floor. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And we giggle mm-hmm. when it's dance time. But when it comes to a music that moves you, your body is almost, how can I explain it? your body kind of just moves to that music and you yes. don't have to move. Does that make sense? Absolutely. Okay. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, and that's, as a matter of fact, I taught a class yesterday and, and I say this in, in many of my classes, um, but yesterday I mentioned to several of my students, I said, you know, because sometimes they become so distracted, right? They, they lose out on the opportunity to really harness that energy because, of course, you know, we're human. We're comparing ourselves to other people in the classroom. Mm-hmm. <laughs> we're getting caught up in our own insecurities, our own doubts, and, and we miss out on the real essence of the dance. So I encourage folks to close their eyes. Yeah, yeah. Like, close your eyes. Like, even if it's for a couple seconds. Because once you do that, then you're able to move in a way that you don't necessarily, you're not able really to move in when your eyes are open. So it goes back to what you were mentioning about really allowing your body to move without yeah. you getting it's, in the way. It's not energy. It's very difficult to explain. So I was Thank definitely you. excited to to speak to you because it's an energy that, and you're right, when you're looking at those people and they're dancing so well, and I'm like, yeah. Um, no. yeah, yeah. <laughs> yes, yes. And you know, I don't I, I forgot to mention this piece. So dance is what brought me into the tradition. Oh. Yes, it was dance. It was the dance and the music. And I, I had a family member who was initiated to Batala and I was able to attend her middle game. And so that was also kind of happening simultaneously, but I still didn't really understand a lot of what she was doing. I knew it was home. Like when I went to the middle day, I knew that that was home for me, mm-hmm. but I still didn't understand it um, until I happened to stumble across an Orisha dance class in New York. I think it was in a place called, it was called Geneva Dance and Drum. That was where my first dance class I was, I believe so. But anyway, so within that first, when I first heard the music, the bata drum, 
I was like, whoa. And that was a whole different part of the studio. But yeah. I was like, what? Okay, what? I don't know what that is. What is that? Like, that is, that's me. That is me. And so when I finally got to the class and I, and I was so intimidated. Yeah. I was like, there's no way I can get in dance. Like, there's no way. Yeah. Finally, when I got in and I took the class, I remember I was like, I didn't know what I was doing. And I had some dance history, you know, before, but still, this is different, as you mentioned. Mm -hmm. And so at the end of the class, I said to the teacher, I said, you know, I feel, I feel, we, I feel weird. I think I said weird. And he goes, yeah, that's, that's normal. <laughs> but it was weird in a good way. It was good. Because I, what I realized is that I, I, I felt a shift. Yeah. I felt a shift. I felt that it was, this, this, my life would never be the same ever again. I knew that in that moment. I just didn't know how to verbalize it. I didn't yeah. have the language. And that was really the beginning because after that, I just, I took four and five classes a week. Wow. And then I started meeting folks who were also, of course, in the tradition yeah. and I just latched onto them. <laughs> I was like, teaching yeah. everything you know. I, I, yeah. And, and that is how, yeah. And so that is how I got, got to this, this space that really was the, the door for me was dance and music. You mentioned something. And it stood out. And it may have been a small little thing that you said, but I'm going to tell you what it was. And I think it's going to resonate to folks in, that are listening. A lot of people, they come in and they're like, how do I know that this is for me? You mentioned mm -hmm. something. You said, this felt like home to me. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And I tell people that when you, you know which tradition is for you, when your heart sings yeah. and you mentioned it, it felt like home. It's like, mm -hmm. you don't know what's going on, but <laughs> it feels like home. This is, yeah. can you kind of go into that a little bit? We get a lot. And I know, you know, because in your group, you had a lot of people ask all kinds of questions. How do you know? How did you know? You just, did you mm -hmm. question it? It was just, that's it. This is what I want to know. Like what happened? I, I never questioned it. Okay. Yeah, I, I never, I never questioned it. I believe that there were, I was, so I was, I was raised in the Catholic church, very strict Catholic. And then of course, you know, once I moved away from home, I always considered myself to be a very spiritual person, right? I've been always been very attracted to Buddhism and to the Thesis of Rastafarianism. And there were other things that were sort of like on my journey, right? And yeah. so I've always sort of been in this, in this, this quest for spiritual knowledge and enlightenment. But, and so once I got to the space of Orisha dance and music, and once I felt like I was home, it, it almost felt like peace. It was like peace. It was, it was like this, there was no question. There was no conflict. Mm -hmm. It just felt like peace. It felt like peace. And, and to answer your question even a little further, I believe now in, in hindsight, because this is a really good question. I never really stopped to think about it. In hindsight, I felt like I finally could exhale. Oh my goodness. You know, because sometimes, yeah, because sometimes when we're on this journey, like we feel like we're holding our breath. Yes. You know, like we're holding and just, and we're anticipating and we're, you know, and so finally I was in a place where I could just exhale and just be like, okay, this is it. This is it. I'm at peace. And I believe it's also when you step into a place where you finally feel like you're in alignment, when you are fully aligned with what your destiny is, that is when I think you have that peace and you can finally exhale. 
Yes. But you have to, you have, yeah, but you have to pay attention, of course, and also to be open to that. So I think that's, that's for me, that's what that experience was like. But thank you for asking that question because I've never thought about that. Ah. Yeah. So this is wonderful. You can probably use that in teaching your classes because people sometimes pay attention. We don't pay attention and we're searching, searching, searching. And we're so, yeah, holding our breaths. Like, when am I going to reach my destiny? And it could be right in front of you. Yes. Yes. That's what I always share with my folks too in my holistic life coaching practice is that your destiny is not out there somewhere. Your destiny is you. Yeah. It's you. So I think if we stop to really think about that and pay attention to that, yeah, so a wonderful question. (laughs) It wasn't, by the way, folks, that was not a question that we were planning on, but it was just so perfect. I couldn't let it go. Yeah. Yeah. I have one for you. What can you talk to us? Because we have, like in our listeners, a lot of people come in brand spanking new. But we also have people who are priests and aborishas, but the majority are brand new folks. What experiences have you had with folks who are coming in? They want to get work done. They just want to do, but they don't embrace the dance aspect of our traditions. But these are not Mm -hmm. folks who are just coming to get a problem fixed. Uh, Mm -hmm. These are folks who are coming for spiritual things. So we're going into Mm -hmm. that area. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. So you're talking more about not necessarily clients. You're talking about like a, a, like Aleos or, or Aborishas who come in who have made a commitment. Yes, I'm talking mm-hmm. more about them because I think that if you're coming to somebody who's coming for a depression issue, Arisha dance may not be the answer for them, so that may not apply to them. But more for people mm-hmm. who are coming into our traditions to get work done, that type of work. Yeah. So you know, I believe it's important. Important, at least I in, in my practice, I, I believe it's important to also incorporate and to at least share the importance of not only the practice in terms of coming and getting and doing, you know, the divination, doing the bowl, but also to understand the culture, mm. you know, mm-hmm. understand the language. Mm-hmm. You know, Yoruba language is so beautiful. Mm-hmm. Of course, I don't know it fluently, <laughs> but I'm still learning and so just understanding the culture, understanding the language, understanding the history, you know, it's not, so I think when we, even when individuals come for a quick fix, so to speak, mm-hmm. right? Or even if they come and they've expressed some interest and they're committed, I think we lose out on a great deal if we don't also stress the importance of the culture, which includes the language, the dance, the music, the food, the mm-hmm. people, the history. And so also, you know, to that understand they don't the sacredness. That they basically don't, I'm trying to figure it, like they don't fulfill their whole experience and they... I, be, I, believe they I, be, I believe that they lose out on the opportunity to really experience the depth of all that is beautiful within our practice. They, they, they miss out on the opportunity because then it becomes sort of like a superficial experience. Mm-hmm. And not to say that it, it, won't, it won't be as beneficial. But, but I believe once individuals are really open to, to understanding and to learning more about what it is that the culture and the tradition has to offer, it provides for a more enriching experience, spiritually okay. and, and personally. So mm-hmm. folks, if you do not embrace dance, you will not be culturally and spiritually <laughs> enriched. That's it. You, you heard it. Yeah. Dance and away. Also, you know, 
<laughs> dance away and, and learn the songs. And, you know, I, as I mentioned, being Lukumi, of course, I teach, you know, the Afro-Cuban Orisha mm-hmm. dance classes, right? But, you know, there's also the traditional, the Isheshe mm-hmm. Orisha dance classes, you know, that I love to watch. I've never taken a class. I hope to take one soon. But even, you know, learning those dances. So if they're not interested in learning the dances as they develop in Cuba, learn the dances from the, from the motherland. Learn them as they're danced in Brazil. So, I mean, Orisha dance, the expression of Orisha dance it's is beautiful. so so beautiful and so varied. So yeah, so learning the dances and the songs, very important. And that also helps to, again, learn the language and the, the, the different layers of the tradition. So Thank you for that. I know we kind of, because whenever we do these conversations, they always go off in their own, <laughs> in their own <laughs> tangent. Mm-hmm. And I know you touched on this, but I wanted to make sure that people understand what role it is that music as a whole plays in our traditions. Why is mm-hmm. it so mm-hmm. important? Not that you're not going to learn your mojubas at some point or ibashe prayers, your ori prayers, egum prayers. Not that that's not, not important, but what role does music, not just dance, just means dance, singing and uh, dancing, like what does it play in our Yoruba traditions? Yeah, that's a good question. So, so in addition to this dance, the music, of course, is a, a very important piece of the tradition, right? And so, dance and the music, you know, they're connected. So, of course, as we mentioned, you know, the dance is a spiritual expression of the Orisha. But for me, when I think about music, again, you know, we talked about dance being the prayer, right? But when I think about them in together, right? the connection of dance and music together, I feel like dance is more the spiritual expression, right, through our bodies. It's our bodies to express the dance. But the music is really the prayer. So it's sort of the prayers that bring, bring the dances to life. Mm-hmm. And so the, the music, and which incorporates, of course, the drumming and the song, yes. right? Because when I think of music, I think of the drumming and then you think of the songs. And so those are really, I think those two are the prayers that then ignite that spiritual expression of dance. Okay. So that yeah, so that that's the way that I that I would explain it. Because for example, one of the things I always tell my students when they come to my classes is learn the songs. Mm-hmm. Learn the songs. Because you can come in here and you can dance. Right. I can teach you the dances. And and when I teach, you know, the dances, I try to also, you know, sing as much as I can. And what I explain to them, and, I, and also I explain to them to really listen to the drums, like listen, connect with the drums, mm-hmm. right, as they're dancing. Because what that does is it then heightens the experience. So mm-hmm. the music and the song heightens the experience of the dance because it's that call and response mm-hmm. that creates that, that connection between you and the apong, the person that's singing, mm-hmm. you know. And then also that, connection with the drum, you know, with the bata drums or with the congos is what really intensifies that connection. Thank you for that. And I think you kind of alluded to what I was going to ask you next, but I'm going to ask it anyway, because we need to hear it from you. In our traditions, should alejos and aborishas, I'm going to add the aborishas here because sometimes (laughs) There are people who follow the traditions, but they have no godparent, but they're still followers. So we mm-hmm. talk them in into the term of aborishas. 
Should Alejos yeah. and Aborishas learn the Orisha dances? I believe so. I honestly do believe that it is important. Yeah. Why? And the reason why I feel, yeah, so the reason why I feel it is important for Alejos and for Aborishas, as you mentioned, to learn the dances, again, is, you know, because of the 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 experience the the connection that that it it brings right but i believe that it is important to do so with the understanding there has to be an understanding right so as long as there's an understanding of the significance and the sacredness of the dance mm. right as long as there's an understanding of of the meaning and the and and the, the story behind the movement Mm -hmm. Right. So I believe that if Aborishas and Aleos do come to take the classes, which I strongly recommend, to be open, open to understanding that it's not as it's not your and no offense to other dance dance classes and dance styles, <laughs> dance practices, but it's not your typical dance class. Mm -hmm. you I, know, I tell folks, this is, and every and every and and in every class, dance is, is spiritual, right? I mean, you know, from ballet to African to and everything in between. But particularly in Orisha dance class, I tell my students this is a this is a this is a spiritual dance. This is a spiritual dance. And so I want you to enjoy, I want you to relax, but I also want you to understand that this is about business. Because what we're doing is we're we are even though it, the drums are not consecrated and this is not a, a formal ceremony, mm -hmm. you know, we are still connecting to nature. We're still connecting to the divine. We're still connecting to the source. So yeah, it might look like I'm just teaching you some movement. But within those movements, you are there, there's magic happening. Yes, there's there's connections that are that are taking place. There's all sorts of things that are being rediscovered within you. Again, it's that intimate uh, uh, communication. There's that there's that dialogue, you know, between you and those energies. And so, if they understand that, and they understand how sacred it is and how significant it is, and I also, you know, I think it's also important for them to also understand that. Despite the class being in in a, in a classroom setting, you know they we use these dances in sacred settings, in ceremonies, and there are events in which the dances are only danced by priests. That's right. And so, even though you come here and you learn the dances, if you go to an aria, <laughs> you might You're not be, able be in to the back right the here. You can't move exactly. <laughs> yeah. So you know, I just know that. You know, what you're learning in this classroom is very important, but also if you happen to go to a bembe or to, you know, fundamento, or there are rules and there are, there's protocol. Oh my God, so, I could hug you right now. We teach, <laughs> I don't know if you're aware, but in Orisha Wisdom, we have a program. It's called Alejos 101. And mm -hmm. I'm very passionate about it because I think it was birthed because Are you familiar with the Julia de Burgos Community Center in New York? Uh, that name sounds familiar. Yeah, it's in 106th Street it. and Lexington. So I pretty much had a really bad interaction with a priest in my early years. I think I may have mm -hmm. been like 20 years old because I stood and I didn't realize that what was happening was that the Anya drums were going to come out. I was brand new. Uh, I had oh no oh idea. No. And oh somebody no. came like, you got Ocha. And they yelled at me. I mean, there was spit involved. I'm not joking. And I couldn't yeah. understand that there were 
protocols. It's not that you show up and you come in your whites and you dance your life away. Exactly. Yeah, it was just a lot of protocols. And yeah, so folks, if you know that you're going to an event where the sacred drums are out, rule of thumb, just stick yourself to the furthest wall and you'll be all right. Exactly. For that event. Exactly. Yes, yes. And it's always, you know, it's important to ask questions if you can. I mean, of course, you you know, if you can, but but just to know, okay, what is, what is the protocol? You know, what's the process? Okay. I've been taking these dance classes for a year. I know all of them, but you know, can I really dance them here? Is this the place for me to dance or is this just a place for me to observe? And so, yes, that's super important. And I always try to, you know, communicate that with folks that are on this journey who are Leos and Aborishas, and also for the priests, you know, for those that are crowned, you know, I encourage them to dance. I encourage them to dance because what I find is that sometimes the Aleos and the Aborishas are more eager to learn the dances. Yes. You know, I think it's a little bit more, <laughs> I think that once we become priests, we're like, oh no. Because I mean, it could be that we understand the immensity of what all that means. And I find that sometimes with priests in particular, dancing for their head Orisha you know, brings up a lot for them, a lot of emotions, there's a lot of feelings around dancing for their head ruling Orisha. And so, but I encourage, I, for those that are, that are crowned, I really encourage them to dance, to take the dance classes because it helps to channel the energy of the Orisha, enables them to, to, to ignite their ashe, the ashe in their crown, you know, to fully manifest the power of Orisha. And not to say that when we're in sacred ceremonies, I mean, the magic happens regardless of whether you've stepped foot in the classroom. You know, when Arisha comes, Arisha comes. Yeah. <laughs> and Arisha dance, you know, sometimes they dance. And so that, 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 that takes place regardless. But I still encourage those, my, my, my crowned uh, folks who are out there to, to take classes, you know, take the dance classes, so learn the dances. I have a question regarding that because you mentioned the priest. So this comment... This question or this this little itty bitty discussion is going for priests only. But yes, Alejandra, <laughs> you could completely listen with your ears uncovered. It's fine. Something that I'm going to share with you, which I have spoken to other priests about, and I wanted to talk to you about, and it just kind of came to me because of the discussion, is that some priests feel really, really bad that the music that moves them is not to their head, Orisha. Mm. Have you felt that? Wow. I'm going to tell you, personally, <laughs> I'm a daughter of Yemaya. Yeah. I like uh, my Yemaya okay. songs. I like yeah. them. Did you hear the song? Like. Yeah. But if you bring out an Oya song or Oshun, mm-hmm. I can yeah. feel the energy within me, like boiling blood, water with herbs and all kind of magic goodness in me. It's not the Yemaya songs that move me. Have you encountered Mm -hmm. this in your practice with the priests? You know, that's really interesting. I have encountered that, but but, but in in not necessarily in the way in which you described it, which I love. I love that description because it makes so much sense. Like I think it's it's not random and I think it's it's very common. I think a lot of priests probably experience some of the same. But what I find is that Folks that are crowned, when it comes time to learn their Orisha's dances and songs, there's a level of what I what I see as intimidation. Could be, or maybe it's, or it could be reverence. Either way, there's this this reverence, this this healthy 
kind of established subconscious, healthy, established sort of boundaries, maybe. And because knowing how important that is, maybe on some subconscious level, you know, so one is able to relax more. So say, for example, you as a child of Yamaya, when you hear Oya no Shun's music, you're like, hey, yeah, this is my jam. <laughs> you know, but when it comes to Yamaya, perhaps subconsciously, internally, there's that part of you that's like, wait a minute, this is serious business because this <laughs> is my head. So I believe that that's what I've witnessed is that there is, there is that reverence, right, that happens. And then what, what ends up happening with that is that I see folks struggle so like, for example, someone that is a, a, a crown to Yamaya, they might come into the classroom and I'd play for, you know, music for Yamaya, we dance and we sing and they're like, oh, this is so hard, I can't get it. But they're more relaxed when it comes to dancing for other relations. Oh. So I believe that there's also that dynamic that takes place. But, you know, of course, it also depends on what Orisha you were born from. For example, I was born from Oya. And so Oya for me, when I hear Oya, forget it. It's like, no whole bars. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I can dance all day for Oya. But when I dance for Legua, I do notice that I am a little more reserved oh. um, when I dance for him. Yeah, it's a difference. So there is, there is that, that, that exchange that I think is really common for a lot of us who, who are crowned. Gotcha. Absolutely. Really good question again. I like that. <laughs> that was a surprise question that we was not yeah. even thought of. <laughs> yeah. So you you kind of went into this earlier, but for folks who now I did I think that at this point anybody who is still here with us they're like I want to learn how to dance the Orishas I need to learn right now. What mm-hmm, advice mm-hmm. do you have for them if they want to learn their dances, the Orisha dances, whether it be for Lukumi or Isheshe, Candomble, whatever? What advice do you have? Yeah. So, you know, my advice in a nutshell would be to go for it. Go for it. You know, but the beautiful thing about the, the dance classes now is that there's, there's, there are a lot of Orisha dance classes. Mm-hmm. You know, when I first started taking these classes um, 22 years ago, there were a few. There were, um, especially in New York, I was, you know, of course, very um, lucky to, to be in a place where I was surrounded by classes. You know, there was um, Siomara, there was... Uh, there was Pupi, you know, Ibai Baitunu. There was Baba Richard Gonzalez, you know, Ricardo Colon. I mean, there were a couple. There were a couple, and they were amazing. But now, like, of course, if you're on Facebook and social media, there are classes all over New York. There are classes in Florida. There are classes in Georgia. Uh, there are classes in California. California's big. So, yeah. So, I mean, if you can get to one of those cities, I highly recommend taking the classes. So my advice is that they should, that they should, that they should go for it. You know, because again, it, it adds another level of understanding, you know, and to also be patient and loving with themselves as they learn. It, it, it is a process. And I think a lot of times folks feel like, well, I, I dance, you know, I've taken dance my entire life and I do this and I do that. And then they come to an Orisha dance class and then if they're not able to necessarily dance the way they expected to dance in the first, second, first or, cla- or second class, then they become sort of disheartened. So so definitely just being loving and being being patient, you know, because it's a whole different nuance. Orisha dance comes with a whole different set of nuances. So, yeah, just holding space for themselves while they learn the dances. You did mention also earlier that I'm going to make sure to bring up, this came from you, that people should close their eyes when they start to dance. Yes, absolutely. So, 
when one is in a dance class, any dance class, I mean, depending on if there's choreography, you might not necessarily be able to close your eyes that much. But especially within the Orisha dance class, if there are opportunities to close your eyes, I encourage folks to do so. Because I've experienced it myself and others have told me that the minute you close your eyes, there's a shift. Because you're not distracted by the outside. Once you close your eyes, you have to go inside. You, You know, you go into that internal space. And then you're able to feel it. Even when they close their eyes and I'm looking at them from the outside, I, I see it. I see it. And I celebrate it. You know, like I celebrate that moment. So just to let them know that, hey, it's in there. I saw it. You may not have seen it because your eyes are closed, mm-hmm. but I saw it. So, so sort of validating that experience for them. So, yeah. And also, you also <laughs> mentioned that people should not come in to compare themselves to those great dancers no. who may be in front of you. No. That was very intimidating no. for me when I went. I, the only word that I can say is I pretty much sucked. (laughs) And then when I saw them, I'm like, yeah, Yeah. I really suck now. I'm going to stay to the back and like move. (laughs) Yeah. So, you know, I think all of us feel like that. Like, I mean, even when I first started taking my classes, I was like, oh, there's no way. Like, there's no way. Like, you know, at the time, New York is just a whole different dance scene. You know, New York, I say they're full of divas. The classrooms are full of divas, (laughs) you know? And so... This is a beautiful thing. It's a beautiful thing. But if you're not necessarily secure with all that you bring, it can be a challenging experience. So it's like a, a lot of it is just releasing, right? Like releasing those insecurities and those doubts and allowing just like divine energy to flow through you. And it looks different. It's going to look different for everyone. And that's what I always tell my students. Don't expect to look like me, you know, because I don't look like, I may not look like other dance teachers. I may not look like other dance students. I think, again, just... Being able to celebrate the way you, the dance moves through you is what's really important. And being patient enough to allow that to happen. Yeah. Because it might take weeks. It might take months. It might take years. You know, a lot of times it does. It's lifelong. You never really learn all that there is to learn in terms of the dance. No. You know, and the tradition, you know, everything that we practice. Yeah. So. It's a whole lifelong journey. So folks, you heard it. Whenever you go, it's highly encouraged. Just I, I also think that everybody who's there, including the divas who are there, they know that they started at zero. They started at zip. Yeah. And yeah. everybody knows that whoever's going to start is going to start with two left feet. Or maybe you might yeah. have one left and one right, but you're still not going to move correctly. <laughs> It's, I don't yeah. think it's expected from anybody to come out of a class, you know, dancing to Yemaya with the sun to the sunset. I don't think it's expected. Yeah. And I think people should know that. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. So, you know, be realistic. Be realistic and know that, again, this is a different style of dance. There's different spiritual connections that are at play. And so to, to be patient with the process and to celebrate every opportunity to learn more and, and, and do it through some of the challenges that come up in the classes like you, you know it helps to sort of promote healing on so many different levels you know mm-hmm. so it's not even all about the dance like there's mm-hmm. just so much that can take place yeah so just being open to that process I think is very important I love it I love it mm-hmm. we're almost done guys and I can't thank you so much I really I can't thank you enough for the time that you have taken and you have I've learned so much I'm seriously, Mm -hmm. and I know I am going to have a ton of emails and little messages about you. So do you have anything Mm -hmm. to share with our Orisha Wisdom community and our listeners? 
that maybe yeah. they might be interested in? Yes, yes, absolutely. So I, I do encourage folks, you know, to contact you or to contact me if they have specific questions about Afro-Cuban Orisha dance. And I am available. So I, I teach here. I live in the Virginia Beach area. I do teach at the Mamba Room in uh, in Norfolk, and I teach at other areas as well in Richmond with Clave Unidos. So if you're in the Virginia area, definitely reach out to me if you're interested in, in coming to one of my classes. I am available for private and group classes. And, and so for folks that are interested in private or group classes, I can offer a, a 25% discount for those classes, for our listeners, for your listeners, for our listeners. <laughs> for our listeners. Um, and don't worry, I will keep yes. this in the notes. But I'm very grateful. I was yes, very excited yes, so. about this, but I'm a little sad that she's like, miles and miles away from me. All you have to do is reach out and use Orisha Wisdom as your code and she'll know you're one of ours. And you absolutely. Mm -hmm. That is awesome. I'm really, really excited. And I'm, I'm hoping that people who didn't think they were around the community that they realize, hey, you know, that's not too far from me. I I should go Mm -hmm. and do that. And I highly, highly encourage you to go out and move your body and express your spiritualness and kind of give it a little jog because sometimes we just, we don't know how to give it a spiritual workout, I guess. Yeah, yes. We should call it a yes. spiritual workout. I like that. Spiritual workout. <laughs> spiritual workout. <laughs> yes, that's perfect. I have a fun question. I like to ask this question because... It's meaningful and mm-hmm. it's purposeful. Oh, purposeful. Mm-hmm. If there was a vision on how the world would be, what would that mm-hmm. look like for you? Yeah. Oh, so a vision. So my vision of how I would like the world to look. So for me, or you know, when when I when I think about that question, for me, an ideal world would be one in which we all felt creatively free. We're, we're creatively free to express all that we are. You know, a world in which folks could live, like really, really live in their truth. Mm-hmm. You know, connected and manifesting their destiny and their spirituality and their purpose and their truth. You know, just being able to creatively be who they are and just embracing healing and the power of creative energy. You know, again, embracing that power, the power of creative energy. And of course, a world with more love more love, a world with more joy, a world with more compassion, a world with more understanding, with more laughter, and of course, a world with, with more music and more song and more dance. I mean, that would be my ideal world. You know, that sounds like utopia. Sign me up. <laughs> Where do I sign yes. up for this? <laughs> I believe we have to create it. We have Very to create true. It. I think we create it. Yeah, I think we create it for ourselves. And and then once we create that for ourselves and then within our own homes and within our own families, and we create that world for our children or at least to support them in creating their world, then ultimately it just is like a ripple effect, right? Then our neighbor next door might feel a little more inspired and, and then the neighborhood next door and then ultimately the world. So I think when people talk about how do I do that, you know, I think not to sound cliche, but it really starts with you. It starts with it us. It does. So, yeah, it really does. So since you have been the person who is all creative, all utopia, all goodness, <laughs> people are going to want to find you. Where can folks find you online? 
Yes. So uh, folks can find me on Facebook and also on Instagram. So my, my Facebook, I have a couple pages. I have my personal page, which is Ife Michelle. And then I also have two pages. I have uh, Ile Ife, uh, House of Love, which is my Ile community page where I promote and also, you know, share things that are happening within my Ile and those that I'm associated with, but also a space for to celebrate, you know, what, what others are doing. Because I find joy in seeing all the things that folks are doing all around the world. So I also share that on that page. And also another page is Embracing Your Divine Power, which is where I share a lot of uh, my work with doing um, holistic life coaching and healing work. And also on Instagram, the same pages are on Instagram. So if some folks prefer Instagram, some folks prefer Facebook, but I can be found on both. And then I have a website, which is www.ifemichelle.com. And then they can also email me at ife7seven at hotmail.com. And don't worry if you guys don't have a pen, especially if you're driving, do not stop to go write this down. I will put all of this information, including her Instagram handles on the show notes. Do not worry about it. I will totally take care of you guys on that. And with that, yeah, I am super blessed. I am honored. I am humbled. I had a really good time having this conversation. Yeah. I thank you for your time. I, I know that this is not out yet, but as soon as they hear it, they are also going to be <laughs> grateful. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Adu Pupo. Yes, Ashe, Ashe, Ashe. And thank you because you really, I mean, through your questions, it sort of inspired me to think about dance and, and music differently. So I, I thank you because you have, you have given me jewels and gifts during this experience as well. So, yes, yes, Mizukwe, yes. I, with that, I, I just don't even know how to end this. I want to keep you and like always keep you and maybe ship you into my house so that you could teach me all this dance. <laughs> Well, you never know. This might be the, the, the beginning. So, yes, absolutely. I we'll stay in it. touch. So, yes. thank you. Adupwe. Yes, Adupwe. Thank you so much. Have a good day. You've reached the end of this podcast episode. I hope that you took a ton of notes. I hope that you found it very helpful. I am truly, truly very grateful that she gracefully accepted to speak with us all, and she shared so much of her time, her experiences, and her lovely spirit with us. As you heard, if you are in the Virginia area, she is granting a discount to our listeners, to you, to our community, by just mentioning our name, Orisha Wisdom. How awesome is that? I am so grateful for that. For show notes, go to www.orishawisdom.com forward slash 31. I will put all of the links that we talked about and of course, where to find her online. So you don't have to write anything down right now, especially if you are driving. You know how I feel about that. It's just so not important. Your life and being alive is way more important than writing anything down while you are driving. Okay. I was a little nervous on when or how or what I was going to say or how I was even, look, I'm even stumbling with my words. So I'm just going to come out and say it. 
I was suggested a while ago by one of my students, hey, when are you going to have a decal for my car? And I thought about it and I kind of pushed it away. But you know what? I think decals and stickers and things like that are really, really cool. If you follow me on Instagram, you may have seen a couple of things that I have been creating in my secret lab. Ha ha ha, evil laugh here. But guess what? That's why I think you haven't heard from me because I have been so focused in a creative whirlwind. And yes, we are going to have our own Orisha traditions, decals, and stickers, and they are coming. They are actually almost here. If you want to learn more, if you want to be one of the first to have these cool things for either your car or your notebook or your wall or your door or your window or just wherever, just go to orishawisdom.com, sign up to be part of our email community or follow us on Facebook, on Instagram, and I will let you know when they do arrive. But it's just been something that it started out as a small, hey, when are you going to do it? And I'm like, I'm just not sure about that. But you know what? Every tradition has their own stuff. And I just don't see that we have our own. And I think we need our own things. And speaking of that, I know that you've kind of heard me a little quiet lately. And I've been in my secret lair, (laughs) evil laugh again, for weeks and weeks and weeks. And I know that I have been asking you guys what you guys thought of Arisha Traditions greeting cards. And a lot of you have given me your thoughts. And guess what? I have been creating, designing, and working on them. I, I still have ways to go. So if you want to be part of this movement, of things that are just ours for people in our tradition, just go to orishawisdom.com forward slash cards with an S, cards, plural. It's a very easy link. And let me know your thoughts because I am in the middle of concocting awesomeness on Orisha Traditions greeting cards for our community. How many times is it that you're going to, I don't know, an anniversary of a daughter of Oshun, for example, and you basically have to try to find something with sunflowers or a flower and blank because there's really nothing that caters to our community. And I think it's about time that we have just what everybody else has and enjoys that. If you like this episode and you found it valuable for you and your growth, and fun, because I thought it was fun. Share this podcast episode so that someone else can also get something out of it, especially this one, because we had such a wonderful guest. Thank you again, Iya Ife Michelle. And I would be so grateful if, when you have a couple of minutes, if you hop over to iTunes, let me know. Give this podcast a review. I read each and every one of them. And honestly, they give us the fuel to keep going and to keep creating more content for your spiritual journeys. Those five minutes that you take to share your thoughts, they really mean the world to me.
On the next podcast episode, we will be answering a question from our series of Ask a Priest that many folks ask a lot. And it has to do with which one is better, Isheshe or Lukumi. Oh, that one is going to be a doozy. So stay tuned. Until next time, may the elevated ancestors and all Orisha bless you immensely. Odabo! Thank you for listening to the Orisha Wisdom Podcast. Be sure to check out the show notes at orishawisdom.com forward slash podcast. Can't get enough of Orisha Wisdom? Check us out at orishawisdom.com and subscribe to our community. Remember, the wisdom of Ifa and Orisha is all around us. Be blessed, and until next time.